Have you been going around the internet looking for the Ultimate Baseball Podcast? Well, you've just found it. On the Dugout Report, we'll cover not only the latest news from across Major League Baseball, but we'll also analyze and break down the hottest games, players, stats, and takes from every aspect of the game, including from on the field, in the Dugout and Clubhouse, from the front office, and so much more. As one-time White Sox broadcaster Ken the Hawk Harrelson would say, sit back, relax, and strap it down. This is the Dugout Report Podcast with Andrew Caruso. Hello everyone and a very happy Sunday to you wherever you may be. This is episode 12 of the Dugout Report on this Sunday, August 21st, 2022. I am your host, Andrew Caruso, returning to the air after a very restful vacation week. On this episode, I'll cover the big news surrounding Padres star Fernando Tatis Jr.'s 80-game suspension for PEDs. After that, we'll cover the five remaining significant trades from the deadline that we didn't get to cover last week, including Eric Hosmer to the Red Sox, Kristen Vasquez to the Astros, Jose Quintana to the St. Louis Cardinals, Whitmerfield to the Blue Jays, and Jorge Lopez to the Twins. After that, as has become routine on the show lately, I'll preview the top three series on the schedule for the upcoming week and why I think you should tune in to, tune in to those matchups. Lastly, to cap off the episode, I'll reveal the results of the poll that I posted earlier this week where you rated your team's postseason chances based on their performance this year. I'll also read your comments that you posted along with the reason for your vote. It's an action-packed episode today, no, no doubt. First off, I hope everyone is doing well. It was good to be back in front of the microphone after a very restful vacation week, as I said earlier. I wanted to let you all know that next weekend will be the last episode of the summer season. Bum, bum, bum. I'm away for the majority of the week waiting until Labor Day, and it will be a very tight squeeze to get an episode out that week when I'll be away for pretty much the whole week. I'm also headed back to school on the Tuesday after, after the Labor Day holiday, so episodes may not be as consistent starting in September because of my, my schedule, which you can imagine gets pretty full with school and other obligations. Now, there will be an episode next next weekend on the 28th, since I record on Fridays and I, and I leave for vacation on Saturday. I'll remind you of all this info about the schedule then, but no, but no, I'll try my best, I'll try my absolute best to be as consistent as possible with content when school starts up. But my other obligations may get in the way and disrupt the f- and disrupt the flow. As always, stay tuned to socials for any updates. Anyways, if you missed the last episode from last week, you can listen to that episode in previous editions of the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. I also want to rem- also I want to remind you you can follow the show on Twitter at Dugout Rep Pod. That Dugout R E P Pod. While you're at it, follow my personal Twitter and Instagram pages at Andrew Caruso seventy seven. Postings on Insta postings on Instagram are pretty much non-existent, so Twitter is the primary place to follow and connect with me as well as the show. That's it. Enough social media talk for one day. We've got a lot to cover, so we can't waste any more time. With that being said, let's head into the dugout to talk baseball. Welcome back. Waiting off this week's show is a major piece of news surrounding a top star in baseball. As on August 12th, San 
Vega Padres shortstop Fernando Tatis Jr. was suspended 80 games after testing positive for the Sesame Clostobal, which violates MLB's Joint Drug Prevention and Treatment Program. The suspension, effective immediately, prevents Tatis from playing in the majors for this year. He had been working his way back from a wrist, wrist fracture that he sustained in the offseason. If San Diego makes it to the playoffs, he will be ineligible for the roster, and those games will count towards the suspension. The remainder of his suspension will be served, served for the first weeks of next season. He had taken the medication that contained the banned substance to treat, to treat ringworm. Following the news, Tatis announced he wouldn't be appealing the suspension and released a statement which read in part, quote, I should have used the resources available to me to ensure that no banned substances in, were in what I took. I failed to do so. He also stated, quote, I have no excuse for my error. I would never do anything to cheat or disrespect the game I love, end quote. Reacting to it, the Padres general manager told reporters that the situation was, quote, very disappointing, that the team expects to see maturity from Tatis going forward. The suspension also disqualifies him from playing in the, with the Dominican Republic team in next, week, in next spring's World Baseball Classic, and the Padres canceled their Tatis Wobblehead giveaway, which had been scheduled for September 7th. Instead, they'll be giving away Juan Soto City Connect t-shirt. When I first heard the news about the suspension, I was definitely surprised. It's an unfortunate situation, and it's a disappointing one, too. Things like PED suspensions put a damper on a player's reputation, as we've seen in the past with others. It'll be interesting to see how Tatis' suspension affects the rest of his career, both next year and beyond. Based on what we've seen in the past, the effects aren't going to be good. Let me know your reaction to this major breaking news. It's definitely a low point in the season. One of baseball's brightest and young stars caught breaking the rules of the game. Let me know what you think. Anyways, now that we've covered covered that, addressed that important news, it's time for the main topic of the episode, covering the second batch of major trade moves from the deadline. Just like last time, I'll give the details of the trade and my reaction to it. Again, this is going to be rapid fire. Let's dive in. The first move we're going to cover this week is one that I hinted about in the last episode. That is on August 2nd, hour before, hours after declining to be included in the Juan Soto deal, deal to send to send it, that sent Soto to San Diego. Veteran first baseman Eric Hosmer was acquired by the Boston to the by, by the Boston Red Sox in exchange for minor league pitcher Jay Groom. Boston also acquired minor leaguers Max Ferguson, Corey Rosier along with cash considerations. With the deal, the Pods will pay out $44 million of Hosmer's contract. He returns to the American League after spending the first six years of his career with the Kansas City Royals, where he was a world champion in 2015. From the research I did, this trade provides a solid upgrade for the Sox, as Bobby Dahlbeck and French Cordero, who have been spending time at first, are both having sub-par years offensively. Defensively, defensively, they've combined, they've committed a combined 10 errors at the position, tied for the most in the mood. So it's safe to say this was a much needed move for a position that Boston really lacks stability in until this point. Let me know what you think of this trade. Next up, we're going to cover another trade involving the Red Sox, this time moving from first base to behind the plate. As on August 1st, again, 
The same day they acquired Trey Mancini from the Orioles, the, the Astros acquired catcher Christian Vasquez in exchange for minor leaguers Wyler William Abreu, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, and Emmanuel Valdez from the Red Sox. I covered the Mancini trade in the episode a few weeks ago, so you listen to episode 11 if you want to hear my thoughts on that trade. Anyways, by Boston trade for Eric Hosmer, the Strohs trade for Vasquez provides a much-needed upgrade to a position where the starter or starters having a subpar year. Martin Maldonado, who was the starter, is hitting just 173 this year. Also, the backup catcher situation shambled with Jason Castro dealing with knee problems consistently this year. The Vasquez trade means he becomes the everyday starter and Maldonado moves to the bench. Lastly, this and the Mancini trade help Houston help set Houston up to make a deep postseason run with their bats in the lineup almost daily for the rest of the year. Again, let me know what you think. The third trade we're going to cover cover is a move between two divisional rivals as on August 1st again the St. Louis Cardinals acquired southpaw starter Jose Quintana and right-handed reliever Chris Stratton from the Pittsburgh Pirates exchange for exchange for pitcher pitcher Johan Johan Ovidio I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right again you can correct me and infield prospect Malcolm Nunez was ranked as the number 10 prospect in the card system at the time of the trade. The trade for Quintana, who is an 11-year MLB vet, addressed a key area of need for the Redbirds during the dead one, as both Jack Flaherty and Steven Matz are expected to miss significant time with, periods of time with injury. Flaherty and St. Louis also acquired another lefty in Jordan Montgomery from the Yankees hours before the deadline. So he and Quintana will fill those two spots in the rotation rotation until Flaherty return. Until last and Flaherty return, excuse me. Definitely two underrated pitchers picked up here. Again, like I like I said, let me know what you think. I'm intrigued to hear your thoughts. The fourth trade we're going to cover this episode is the Toronto Blue Jays acquisition of all-star second baseman outfielder Whit Merrifield. Hours before the deadline on August 2nd, Toronto acquired Merrifield from the Kansas City Royals in exchange for prospects Samad Taylor and Max Castillo. Merrifield, one of 10 players on the Royals who wasn't vaccinated with when KC played the Blue Jays earlier this year in Toronto. This trade means that if their newest player player wants to play in front of the hometown fans, he'll need to get the shot to enter Canada to abide by their laws. We're not going to dwell on that, but anyways, trading Merrifield allows for the up-and-coming young core of the Royals, which features Bobby Witt Jr. and Nick, Nick Prado at short and Nick Prado at first, you know, the young kids, to play together more often. Merrifield was having a decent year offensively with a 240 average and 15 stolen bases in 95 games at the time of the deal. However, the Jays have been depleted by injuries, injuries mainly in the out. So Merrifield can slot in whenever one of the regular starters needs a day off in both the infield and outfield. Let's hope he can continue performing at a high level up north. What do you think? Well, I can't wait to hear your thoughts. Last but certainly not least is the fifth and final trade we're going to cover this week. On August 2nd, Hours before the deadline again, 
the Minnesota Twins acquired all-star closer Jorge Lopez in cash considerations from the Baltimore Orioles in exchange for pitching prospects Ginier Cano, Juan Nunez, Cade Povich, Cade Povich, and Juan Rojas. With, the, with this trade, Povich is now Baltimore's number 26th ranked prospect per MLB pipeline. The O's surge in June and July towards the top of the AO East didn't change their deadline strategy as they still sold. Their bullpen has been a renovation project sort of sorts over the last few years as Lopez is the latest arm to go. Looking at the Twins' perspective, the trade for Lopez and Michael Fulmer from Detroit helps to bolster a bullpen that has lacked veteran presence and allows manager of the Twins, Rocco Baldelli, to take pressure off the younger arms, the rookies that have been doing the role beforehand. Let me know what you think of this trade. All in all, this was a packed trade season, and I apologize if we didn't cover a move that you were hoping I would cover. Next up, we're going to preview the top three series in baseball for the upcoming week of August 22nd. That's coming up, so don't go away. Stay tuned. Welcome back. Our last major topic for the, this week is previewing the top three series for the next week, August 22nd to 26th. 28th, my bad. I'll tell you a little about, bit about the teams involved and why you should tune into that series. Let's go. Our first Let's Watch series is part two of the Subway series featuring my Yankees and the Crosstown rival Mets. Going after it starting tomorrow, August 22nd, from Yankee Stadium in the Bronx, during a quick two-game set. I put this series on my must-watch list because the Yankee-Met rivalry is a classic one. Both teams have October ambitions in their sights, although the Yanks haven't been playing like an October team as of late. Let's see if the new week puts them on the right track. When the two teams met in Queens a few weeks back, the Mets swept the Yanks. This time around, I say they're going to split it at a game of peace. We're previewing a potential World Series matchup here, folks, and I'm not being biased when I included this series in my, uh, my, uh, my selection. So, yeah. The second March Watch series is for this week is the between the Brewers and Do- between the Brewers and Dodgers, commencing also com- tomorrow night at Dodger Stadium in L.A. Again, a potential NL postseason matchup is the Dodgers hold first in the NL West and the Brewers hold second place in the Central by in St. Louis. Not only that, both teams have multiple all-stars. For the Brewers, Brew Crew, you've got Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, Devin Williams, and Christian Yelich to name a few. For the Boys in Blue, you've got Clayton Kershaw, Freddie Freeman, Trey Turner, and Mookie, and Mookie Betts, among, our, among all the... That team is full of plethora of stars. In this three-game set, I say the Dodgers take it two games to one. The final must-watch series on the docket this for this week is a weekend series between the Orioles and Astros kicking off on Friday night in Houston. As the way things are going and the, with the O's recent surge, this could very well be a potential postseason matchup, but I wouldn't count on it. What's interesting about this matchup is only one side has all-star has, has top all-star players. The O's have talent, but it's not as good as the Astros. 
So the Astros take this one, two games to one. It'll be interesting to see how the series I've, I've listed this week will play out. Compared to other weeks, this week's schedule is very dry. Do you agree with my selections? Are there any others that I missed that you think I should be talked about more? Let me know. We're getting close to the end of the episode, but the social media segment is coming right up. So don't go away. Stay tuned. Welcome back. To cap off this week's week, it's time for the social media segment. Now, as I stated at the beginning of the episode, this week I asked you to rate your, your team's postseason chances in a poll based on their performance this year. You had four choices, lock, contender, potential, and long shot. I also asked you to comment your reasons for your vote. It should be an interesting segment, so let's dive in. Now, unfortunately, we didn't get any responses this week, so for like the, the 15th consecutive week in a row. But, um, so I'll just give you my thoughts, my 10-second thoughts, I guess. So I say the Yankees, they they were a lock, a lock at the beginning of the year with the way they were going. But now I put them as a contender. They have the potential to go, and, you know, they have the players. They have Judge. They have, you know, Anthony Rizzo. They also have a strong pitching the bullpen is okay, hit or miss. But, um, you know, I think, you know, if the Yankees pick it up, pick it up the sec- pick it up in the second hit, and if they pick it up uh, with the month left to go in the season, they could make a run. I don't know how deep they're going to be going, but they could make a run. Um, yeah, I really don't know what else to say other than... You know, this team, the Yankees were mad. They were good, but they were they were bad, you know. And we've been in a terrible stretch of the way. So, yeah, I say the Yankees, Yankees, they used to, used to be a lock, but now they're a c- contender. I think the locks are going to go to, you know, the obvious teams like the Dodgers, the Astros, the Astros, and those, the, the, king, the kingpins of postseason, like the... The, the you know the dynasty teams not that I'm gonna put it that way but the dynasty teams are gonna be the definite locks so um I, thanks to those if I wish that some of you had the opportunity to submit replies but there's always next week if you missed out if you missed out on participating this week make sure you follow the show on social media so you, that you can participate next time. We've sadly reached the end of the episode, but closing remarks are coming right up. So keep listening and don't go away. So that concludes the end of episode 12 of the Dugout Report. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Once again, as a reminder, you can follow the show on Twitter at DugoutRepPod and my personal Twitter and Instagram pages at AndrewCaruso77. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Please share this episode with your friends and on social media. That's it for this week, and so this is your host, Andrew Caruso, signing off. I'll see you 
See you on next week on the 28th. Thanks for listening and so long, everybody.